Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The G7. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get in trouble with staff. I don't do this the right way. I'm going to get in trouble with my my staff. Yeah, go ahead. I pretend that you didn't answer. When you're having these conversations with European allies, we're very concerned. 120 days. Give me a break. Need time. A problem. A big one. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. The whole gang is here. New week. Happy Flag Day. President Woodrow Wilson in 1916 and President Calvin Coolidge in 1927 proclaimed June 14th as Flag Day. Congress codified the observance in 1949. In 1958, the addition of the state of Alaska to the Union, a 49th star, had to be incorporated. In response, there's a little, I should have saved this for political trivia. In response to a history assignment, a 17-year-old student by the name of Bob Heft decided to design a 50-star American flag representing not only Alaska, but also Hawaii, which everyone expected would soon become a state, cutting up a flag from his grandmother and reassembling it with $2 worth of blue cloth, he designed a 50-star flag and received a B-minus on the assignment. <laughs> his teacher joke, jokingly promised to change the grade if Congress adopted his flag. He got on his bike, went to his congressman's local office, pitched the design. The flag was officially adopted July 4, 1960. Heff's teacher kept his promise, changed the grade to an A. Flag Happy day. Flag Day. Yeah. wonder how long the Biden administration will allow Flag Day. You know, it's uh, Flag Day is represents, you know, American yeah. flag, they think, represents probably imperialism drop, and all this crazy stuff. They'll so. probably drop the L. <laughs> uh, it's also Donald Trump's birthday. You just, you just now got that, didn't you? <laughs> My Thank mind you. wasn't quite going there. <laughs> you just now got that. Thank Na- you. Is that National Cigarette Day? <laughs> there you nope. go. Nope. Uh, no, uh, changing gears though, it is Donald Trump's birthday, seventy-five years old. Mm. So uh, happy birthday, Donald! Um, I, I, you know, point of privilege here. Um, our Cliff Godwin, our baseball coach. Congratulations to the Pirates; they had a great season. Very disappointing, sad that. And by the way, what uh, two marvelous games they played! Yeah, I mean they lost, but two great games. And in the post game, Cliff Godwin just said, when he was, I'm paraphrasing here, he's asked about the officiating of the game. He said he is not allowed to make comment. We are. <laughs> we, that, look, I know this is not a sports show, but that was the worst home plate umping I've ever in a long time. It's the worst I've ever seen. Beyond the high school level, I mean, really, I've I've seen some bad ones in high school. I mean, this is the best you can get for yeah. the the super regionals. And look, these two pitchers for Vanderbilt, I mean, they're they're top five draft picks. I mean, they are phenomenal talents, but their strike zone compared to the strike zone for the East Carolina pitchers. And, and I'm I, I'm look, I'm an ECU fan. I, I think the world of Cliff Godwin, consider him a, a good friend. Um, yeah, I know most people can't be objective, but I'm, I'm a pretty objective sports participator, particularly baseball, because that's my sport that I really like. I was pretty objective in that, and I, I just I don't see how anyone with a brain could not see it. 
I mean, the announcers, the ESPN announcers even made a couple oh, yeah. of comments oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the the young man um, who was pitching the second night, was it the second day? Jack Leiter with Vanderbilt? Or, no, 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 or no. Our, for our EC, ECU. Carson Wisenhunt. No, that wasn't Carson. Um, oh, oh, Cam Comore from, yes, from here in Cam, Greenville. Yeah. Cam. Mm-hmm. Just before they pulled him, uh, he ended up walking an individual, brought in another run. The bases were loaded. Well, the umpire walked. The umpire walked him. That is is a darn truth. The umpire walked him. It was unbelievable. You know, the catcher, the catcher, uh, Seth Cadell. Yeah, do you see him looking up and just rolling his eyes? I, um, well, I won't get into private conversations with with certain people, but I I did comment on – I was very impressed with the composure of the coaching staff and the players because I can tell you, I, I would have yeah. been thrown out of the game. I'd have tossed. Yeah. If I were a catcher, yeah. I would have been tossed. I'd have yeah. thrown my mask off and I'd have said, Are you w- crazy? WTF. Are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, I, I, down the middle, uh, <laughs> right, right, right down the middle of the plate. and I, I mean, I, I would have been like uh, Crash Davis in Dur- Bull Durham. I would have said the word that gets you tossed, yeah. without a doubt. It's been worse than that, Clark. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, congratulations. How about the uh, Wolfpack, though? Going yeah. and beating Arkansas. And Virginia, uh, they won today with a Grand Slam home run. They're, they're going. Right. They're going. They so, beat uh, um, Baptist da- School Dallas, down in Dallas. Dallas Baptist. Yeah. Yep. So you got uh, NC State, University of Virginia, and if Notre Dame wins tonight, that'll be three uh, three of the eight out of the Atlantic Coast Conference. And Virginia was not expected, but you know Virginia Virginia was a three seed playing a three seed in the super regional yeah so, you know, i mean they're not playing a top national north seat, carolina so state was like the bottom of the barrel playing the top and you know somebody was making the comment that to be the number one seat is sort of the curse yeah the uh, number one seat hasn't won in like 20 years nc nc state's a good ball team they, they were taking their lumps early in the season because they're young but they've got in state's got some talent and they're gonna be really good next year so is ecu this is 103.7. This isn't 94.3, but. <laughs> <laughs> On with pilot. But we had to get that out of the way. <laughs> hey, baseball's important in, in yeah, Greenville. It is. It is politics in Greenville. Uh, Carolina Journal is reporting the Ted Budd for U.S. Senate campaign today released survey results that revealed Ted Budd seeing a 45-point net positive swing and surges to a 19-point lead when likely Republican primary voters learn that President Donald Trump has endorsed Ted Budd for U.S. Senate. When this happened, we said this is going to help Ted Budd big time. Frankly, this is a, a bigger help than I thought. According to the June 9th, 10th Meeting Street Inside survey of 500 likely North Carolina primary voters statewide, former Governor, uh, Governor Pat McCrory continues to lead the race for next year's U.S. Senate nomination. McCory gets 45%, 19% for Ted Budd, 12% for Mark Walker. Some 23% of those polled remain undecided. Back in April, McCory uh, had 48, Walker had 13, Ted Budd had 9. Budd is the only candidate to see his ballots number grow in the past two months, more than doubling, in fact, said Rob Altry of Meeting Street in a memo pro- um, promoted by the Bud team. Just 20% of those polled knew that Trump had endorsed Bud during a June 5th speech. 
Now, that that's a little surprising. I mean, I, I know everybody out there is not political junkies like we are, but that still surprises me a little bit. Um, well, unless they're watching Fox News or... or or I mean, they're not yeah, a they're, program like this. Yeah, yeah. they're not going to get it on mainstream media. Once voters learned that indeed Donald Trump had endorsed Ted Budd, support in the race flipped to Budd. "Quote: When we asked Republican primaries voters who they would vote for if they knew Donald Trump spoke at the North Carolina Republican Party convention and announced that he was endorsing and supporting Ted Budd for the U.S. Senate." Ted Budd's surges to a 19-point lead over McCrory and a 38-point lead over Walker. With information about the endorsement, 46% of those who polled supported Budd, while 27% supported McCrory. Walker's support dropped to 8%. The percentage of undecided voters dropped to 18%. This one piece of information turns McCrory's 26-point lead into a 19-point deficit, Autry noted. The Trump endorsement has other notable impacts. Fully 30% of McCrory's initial supporters moved back to Ted Budd, or uh, moved to back, not back to, but moved to back Ted Budd after hearing about Trump's endorsement. 34% of Walker's initial supporters do the same, according to Autry's memo. Trump's endorsement pushes Budd to a 25-point lead among core primary voters, that are base Republicans who are very conservative, and puts him 11 points ahead of McCrory in the former governor's region base, the Charlotte media market, according to the memo. 11 points ahead of McCrory in Charlotte. Uh, the poll also tested the former president's uh, Republican convention comments about the 2022 race. The f- survey asked voters whether they agreed with Trump that you can't pick people who have already lost two races and do not stand for our values, Two-thirds of the voters, 67%, agreed, with 47% saying they definitely agreed. More than two-thirds of undecided GOP primary voters, 30, uh, 68% agreed with the former president. Uh, Trump didn't name McCory, but his comments were pretty obvious. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that endorsement, and a lot of people, you know, it would be, it'd be interesting to find out, do you think it was appropriate for Donald Trump to endorse at the convention? I wonder how what what that response would have been, but yeah, maybe uh, maybe Donald Trump still is the kingmaker. Yeah, I think you know it's still early, but I think yeah, uh, it is, it's way way early. I was going to say that. I, yeah. I, I do think it's probably quite possibly he could have buried the other candidates between other than Bud and McCory. I do think it's kind of narrowed it to a two person race, even yeah. even right now because they're going to get the most attention. You know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Walker might want to consider running for Ted Budd's congressional yeah. seat. But you know what? To me, what's encouraging though, and and you know, people talk about some people talk about McCrory being a, an establishment guy. I mean, really, the governor was his first political job other than the mayor of Charlotte. And I mean, that's a you well, know, he was city council mayor. Yeah, and, but yeah. that's but you know that's that's not a lifetime politician. Right. I mean, he, right. he was in the private sector. But it's encouraging that our top two candidates for Senate are people. You know. Not established in Washington right. for 25 years. Right. Same thing with Tom Tillis. You know, Tom Tillis went straight from the, the North Carolina House right. to there. And that to me, that's just a lot better than someone that's just— A lifetime politician. Been in, or yeah. been in D.C. for yeah. forever. For sure. Yeah, I you know, if I was Walker, I think I'd be thinking—I I might call up Ted and say, Hey, you know what? <laughs> Would you endorse me for your seat, your congressional seat? Because remember, Ted Budd and Walker— 
they got uh, gerrymandered into yeah. both being in the same district, and Walker went to Ted Budd and said, uh, hey, I'm thinking about running for the Senate, so I'm just going to let you have the congressional seat. Uh, Walker might want to consider you think running that- for that. I think, well, I think Walker's done. I mean, and again, though, let me. it's a long way away. It's next November, not this November, so it's a long way away. Yep. It um, depends on who gets the most money, what yep. it boils down to. <laughs> Also in uh, state politics, uh, Friday, we, uh, by the way, I had a sort of a business emergency on Friday. That's why we weren't on the air. Um, but uh, I did want to mention that uh, Roy Cooper had his weekly news conference, and he made national news. Gateway Pundit picked up on it. Uh, North Carolina Democrat Roy Cooper refuses to give up emergency powers even when there's no emergency. Roy Cooper refuses to give up emergency powers he grabbed at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, and Republicans in the North Carolina General Assembly are tired of it, according to the state president pro tem, Phil Berger. Uh, He posted uh, on Friday, Governor Cooper just extended his emergency order yet again. There is no emergency. This has got to end. We're working on legislation action to curtail future abuses by the governor. Even WRAL reported the matter. As other states end their emergency, state of emergency orders amid the waning coronavirus pandemic, Governor Roy Cooper said Friday he wants to keep North Carolina in place. Yeah. <laughs> you think? <laughs> he loves to be Lord Cooper, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. He loves to be the Barney Fife of North Carolina. Hey, let's take a time out. When we come back. We are going to have a special guest. We're going to be talking about the. Uh, Well, there's two voting bills out. A lot of people are familiar with H.R. 1, which uh, is the was called the People's Act uh, for the People's Act. But there is another bill out there, H.R. 4, which is uh, probably just as dangerous, maybe more so. Stay with us. We'll talk about that when we get back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in 22 minutes past the hour. Kim Blackwell is an American politician, author, and conservative activist. He has served as the mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio, the Ohio State Treasurer, and the Ohio Secretary of State. He was the Republican candidate for governor of Ohio in 2006, the first African-American majority party candidate for governor of Ohio. He is currently a senior fellow for the Family Empowerment with the Family Research Council. We had uh, Ken on with us uh, back during the uh, presidential election, and uh, good to have Ken back with us. Ken, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you. Tom Lamprecht and Benny uh, Hardy are with you this afternoon. And uh, we want to talk about these voting right bills. The, the Democrats up in the uh, House and the Senate are pushing, everyone is very familiar with the, quote, For the People's Act, H.R.1.S.1, and uh, rather controversial, where basically the Democrats have said, hey, you know what, we're going to take over uh, the Constitution, we don't care about that. We're going to take over and we're going to create all the uh, laws for all the elections up here in Washington, D.C. While that is going on, everybody's attention on, on that, there's another bill out there, H.R. 4, which is the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill. And uh, that's probably as dangerous and maybe more so. 
Ken, explain the second bill, H.R. 4. What will that do? Well, uh, let's say S1 and H.R. 1 are carpet bombings of the radical left. Uh, The, you know, uh, H.R. 4 is a more surgical strike uh, at the heart of our constitutional uh, republic. Uh, and that is a respect for the fact that we are uh, a, a federation of, of, of states. We are a nation uh, that respects uh, the fact that voters and, and voting uh, are best when they are married up at the local level. This is a federal takeover, guys. Mm. That's all it is. It would radically and fundamentally change the nature of our constitutional uh, republic, uh, and it would, in fact, uh, put under uh, the control of the federal government any major move a state wanted to make uh, to make it harder to cheat, uh, but make it easier to vote. Uh, and that's what we have started to see across this nation. State legislatures want to make it easy to vote, but hard to cheat. They don't want to have a situation where one legally cast ballot is negated by an an illegally cast ballot. And so, for instance, guys, you know, initiatives at the state level that want to make sure that you verify the accuracy of your voter registration list, uh, verify citizenship of voters, require voter ID, uh, limit absentee uh, balloting, uh, where you don't have uh, absentee uh, uh, voting uh, for for weeks on end for any reason. Uh, all of these things would be subject to the federal government's approval. And right now, uh, the Democrats in charge uh, of the Justice Department are basically saying that these actions, these policies, or no goals, uh, and that is that is crazy. Look, these guys have taken advantage of something, uh, the the crisis of 2020. Uh, just just think about it. Uh, we had individual phenomena and events in 1918. We had the Spanish pandemic in 1929. We had major economic disruption in 1968. We had violence and urban riots. Uh, and in 1974, we had an impeachment crisis with, with Nixon. But guess what? In 2020, we had all of those things in one year. Yeah. And these guys have never wanted to let a crisis go to race. Bingo. And they're trying to fundamentally change our system. Let me ask you, um, again, we're talking to Ken Blackwell concerning H.R. 1 and H.R. 4. And again, more people are probably familiar, as, as you described it, H.R. 1 is a carpet bombing. I mean, just we're just going to totally redo everything. Uh, it was interesting. I've got some audio from AOC. She was on CNN last night and basically says, well, you know, we've got to ensure that we can win. <laughs> That's why we need to pass H.R. 1 and H.R. 4. But um, yeah, every now and then the truth slips out. But, but do you think that... Um, H.R. 1 was a Trojan horse to sneak in H.R. 4? I I do. I personally do. Uh, Like I said, they are trying to make it 
look as if this is a more reasonable uh, uh, approach. Uh, H.R. 1 uh, was an attack on uh, our First Amendment rights, our, our voting rights, the, the, the sovereignty of our, of, of our, of our states. Uh, but this, within the context of elections, this is just as lethal. And for me, the greatest challenge we as a people face in our 245th year as a constitutional republic is do we have the moral courage and the political will to check the ever-increasing capacity for self-destruction? Hmm. Uh, and that and that is a, a call that I'm putting out. We must fight back. We must not let the radical left fundamentally change the nature of our our constitutional republic. Uh, the, the founders and the framers of our constitution they did a great thing. They understood, as Aristotle did, that there was a dynamic between the organized power of the state and individual liberty. So constitutionally, they put a harness on the reach and the power of the federal government. And these radical leftists are now trying to make our central or federal government more muscular. And it has a direct impact, not only just on the sovereignty of our our states, but on individual liberty. Let me just say for our listeners, uh, this H.R. 4 would basically restore a key provision of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which was struck down by the Supreme Court in 2013, because they basically were saying the federal government can dictate to states, you know, certain things, you know, how many, uh, how the districts are going to be drawn up, for example. But they were relying upon information that is now 47 years old. And, uh, but they want to restore that. Yeah, and not only, not only that, guys. Look, that, that applied to about 11 states and some counties that were not in the, in the South that had a pattern of discrimination. So it was very limited. What this new uh, initiative will do is make it apply to all 50 states. Hmm. So the Department of Justice can come in and say, we, we think you're doing it illegally and we're going we're yeah. to dictate and, how you're going to do your election. Yeah, and, I, and, and the way I frame it, it means that the federal government yeah. can come in and, 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 and just negate those reforms. Look, it, they have gotten in bed with woke corporations, and, and the most logical to me is, for instance, Major League Baseball, when they came out and, and said you, 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 uh, that it was racist, and they moved the All-Star game from, from uh, Atlanta uh, to Denver uh, because the state legislature in Georgia wanted to have photo I, uh, voter IDs. Well, if I left tickets for you guys for the Cincinnati Reds when you come to visit my fair city uh, at the will call window, to get those tickets, what do you have to do? You have to show some form of ID. <laughs> this, this hypocrisy is nauseating. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Mr. Blackwell, this is Benny. Um, I was reading your op-ed from uh, several weeks ago. I think you did maybe in Breitbart, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it talked about – some of some of the challenges of this this if if things occur let's just say in North Carolina we want to you know we want to 
appropriately clean up our voter rolls because they're just they're just old and and we see that all the time where we we'll see you know a person hadn't lived somewhere in, in 12 years but they still had their address there but if we start doing things like this and they challenge us as hey we're trying to suppress the vote uh one thing you talked about in your your op-ed was um hey if we got to challenge this kind of this kind of issue we're going to be in dc court and of course everybody knows about dc court system so talk talk about if that if that process well, well, goes well, through. Well, that's 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 just part of, of a very clever system that they have for a federal takeover of 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 of, of elections uh one of the perhaps the most liberal court uh in the country now is the dc federal court uh any any change in a a state's if, if this would pass, any change in a state's voting policies and practices uh, would, in fact, have to be approved by uh, the federal government. If it was not approved by the federal government and they took us to court, that liberal court could say that uh, uh, it, it was it's, it's racist. It has an adverse impact on, 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 uh, on minorities for states to clean up their voter rolls, and therefore you would be with corrupted uh, voter rolls. And we know what happens with corrupt voter rolls. You know, people, in fact, uh, use, you have dead folks voting. Uh, it, it, and you only just have that in Chicago and Illinois. You have it all across the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, during the last election, it was obviously, you know, we, we, there was all sorts of improprieties or at least some irregularities that, that uh, you know, conservatives were concerned about. And I, I had to caution my conservative friends when they say, you know what, we just need the federal government in a national election oh, to take over. <laughs> I mean, they, they, really, <laughs> oh. they really don't understand the importance of our Constitution, the importance of states' rights, uh, and, and why, why, why the Constitution was written. We, we didn't want the, everything to be controlled by, by an area of, you know, uh, 50 square right. miles. <laughs> yeah, and just think about it. There are two things that you want to have control in elections. You want to make sure that you have a tight chain of custody. Uh, that means that you don't want too many hands touching the ballot after it leaves the hand of the voter before it is counted. Uh, and the other is verification. You want to make sure that a voter is who he or she claims to be and that they are, their ballot is a legally cast ballot. Uh, under this system that H.R. 4 would advocate uh, and H.R. 1 is advocating, it would it would loosen the chain of custody. Uh, you would have things like ballot harvesting, ballot curing. You would have uh, private money uh, in selected counties, as we had in this past election. And as a consequence of... Uh, People at the local level would totally lose control over the process that would be uh, ripe for corruption. And what it does, what it would do is destroy confidence in the accuracy and the legitimacy of the vote count. And that's a, that's a real problem. Uh, we're talking to Ken Blackwell about uh, HR one and HR four. Uh, Ken, as as a black man, how irritated do you get when you're constantly told that uh, you, the, the black race uh, is not capable of taking care of themselves, and we got to have the nanny state come in? And I mean, is there anything that the Democrats can can put forward without having racial overtones attached to it? No, I don't. I don't think so. That's why they are. So interested in trying to, uh, 
to link these common sense reforms to Jim Crow. And that is, you know, they try to make it sound as if asking that you have a voter ID is tantamount to asking a voter how many jelly beans are in this jar. And that's what they did in the in the 60s uh, and the and the right. 50s. Uh, that was that was that was Jim Crow. I mean, the the fact that what these reforms are doing is tightening the chain of custody, uh, improving verification uh, systems, and to suggest that you know when you need a voter ID uh, or when you need some form of ID to take out a library book uh, to to cast a check to buy a six pack of beer that, you know, all of a sudden black folks are incapable of, of, of using ID, uh, some form of ID in a culture that demands ID. I mean, I, I, I just came from Cincinnati to, to uh, Washington DC on Delta, Delta, the same airline that basically said they, they thought that the reforms right. in Georgia were racist. They asked me to see ID before I got on their plane. Now, and not only that, they demanded that I have a, uh, a, a, a mask on. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you had to pull the mask down so they could show they could see that's who that's you right. were, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, Ann Coulter came out with a uh, op-ed today talking about uh, voting rights. Um, and in quotation marks, it's racist not to let Democrats cheat. <laughs> and uh, that's basically what it amounts to. Joe Manchin has come out and said he's against HR one, but he's eight, uh, for HR four. Now HR one, I understand, has got to have a sixty vote threshold. Does HR four also need sixty votes? Well, I, I think so, but I'm I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on uh, on Joe Manchin. That was an old college uh, defensive linebacker, and uh, I, my coach used to tell me keep your eyes focused on his belly button. Because he will try to give you a head shake every time, <laughs> so I, 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 I got I'm, I'm zeroed in on Joe Manchin's belly button, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I, I want to make sure he doesn't give me a head shake on this. Uh, there's not a dime bit of difference, uh, and Joe cannot give up on the filibuster uh, to pass, uh, you know, the HR HR four. Uh, mm. It is more it is more lethal, but you know it just. This all came about. Now it is it is somehow racist to raise questions about the anomalies, you know, of the twenty twenty election. And as someone who has administered elections statewide, you know, I thought it was interesting that every president who has gained votes in reelection in, in a reelection campaign has also won reelection. Uh, for the last 150 years, yep. Trump gained a hundred. Uh, excuse me, 11 million uh, more votes than he had in 2016. But Biden somehow pulled off uh, a, a miracle. I mean, and, and, and again, you don't have to say it's fraud, but if you don't say that's that, at least makes your eyebrows go up. You know, here is a guy who who in in fact shattered the popular vote record. But one only a a, a record low of seventeen percent of the counties. Yeah, think about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, you're singing off the same uh, choir sheet that uh, Benny and I sing off of. We're we're there with you. It's uh, it's unbelievable. 
And, and I, I think yeah. it's pretty clever too that they they name it the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Yeah. Uh, you know, a civil, yeah. a civil rights leader. And uh, so, so if I come out against that, what am I going to be labeled in Congress? Yeah, so, yeah well, you know, you're the advocate of Jim Crow. But <laughs> I'll just leave you guys with this. Look, uh, Thomas Paine said it, and I see it all across this country. Those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must undergo the fatigue of defending and supporting it. Yep. We, we, we cannot let up. Well said. Well said. Ken Blackwell. Thank you, sir. Listen, uh, this has been great. Hope to have you on again. Look forward to it, guys. Thank okay. You. God Thank bless. Thank you, Ken. Mm. Take care. God bless. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. show that really makes you think he is a genius he's all powerful he brought a kind of heat he could be the best just don't hurt yourself okay more news and views on talk 96.3 and 103.7 welcome back in and uh, again happy birthday to donald trump he is uh, 75 today on this flag day take a look at your weather forecast thank you you're welcome happy birthday mr president uh tonight a chance of thunderstorms, mainly early morning, tomorrow morning around 4 a.m. And uh, chance is only 30%, but you might have a thunder boomer come through. Tomorrow, again, a slight chance of thunderstorms uh, in the morning and uh, maybe some in the late afternoon. Otherwise, sunny with a high near 89. Same for tomorrow night. So, again, the chance of rain this week, a lot less than last week. It's going to be anywhere from 20% to 30% throughout the week. And a high will be in the upper 80s with a low around uh, 70 each night. So when we're talking to uh, Ken Blackwell, impressive guy. Uh, It's the second time we've had him on the air and a very knowledgeable guy. Very, I I love his common sense. Um, I've mentioned Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. She was on CNN Sunday night talking about H.R. 1 and how important it was that we pass H.R. 1. As uh, Ken called it, it is a carpet-bombing bill uh, on election integrity. The Democrats, um, it's, it's called the For the People's Act. They were, t- they, they were asking her about this bill. They're also asking about um, what will happen at the Supreme Court and uh, will... Will we get a new justice on the Supreme Court? And uh, she said, well, we can't depend on that. So this is what this is why we got to make sure we uh, pass this. Uh, otherwise, we might not uh, win the elections. Here she is. This is cut to Clark. Your fellow Democrat, Mondaire Jones, says 82-year-old Justice Stephen Breyer should retire so that President Biden and Senate Democrats can fill his seat with a younger liberal successor. Do you think that Justice Breyer should step down after this term? Well, you know, I believe um, I believe Representative Jones has a point, and we have had very difficult experiences with making, I believe, the opposite mistake. And um, especially if Senate Democrats are not going to pass reforms on HR one, we cannot rely solely on on a wish of winning elections, um, particularly in the Senate, 
uh, when voting rights are under attack in Georgia, Arizona, um, and, and Texas, across the country. And if we're not going to pass H.R. 1 with the preemptive clauses that can roll some of that uh, voter suppression attacks back, yeah, I believe that we should protect our Supreme Court, and I thought that should absolutely be a consideration. In other words, Ann Coulter was right. This is their open license to cheat. We cannot rely solely on a wish of winning elections. We need to get the justices on the Supreme Court, and we need H.R. 1. Because we can't wish for elections. We've got to do something to make sure we win them. <laughs> Every time she speaks, I'm convinced that uh, people in New York are really stupid. <laughs> I don't get it. I, I, I just can't I imagine her winning, winning a, an election. You know, but, but you know, um, where's the news media, you know, CNN or whoever, just in, in the mainstream media in general, when when these Democrats, including Joe Biden, actually start talking about expanding the court, yeah, um, increasing the number of states, all, all these things that for decades, <laughs> over a hundred years, it's just wouldn't be kosher. I mean, it wouldn't be something you talk about. Anyone, t- If Donald Trump talked about expanding the court, um, well, oh. well, what in the world would be said? Can you imagine? And they're just solid about it. Um, yeah. just amazes me. That's true. Uh, Molly Hemingway came out with an interesting story today. Y- you know, um, when Donald Trump, in the midst of the riots— and uh, he he decided he was going to go after after they tried to burn it was a St. John's Church down mm-hmm. across mm-hmm. from the yep. uh, White House Lafayette Park across from Lafayette Park. Yeah, the, the people are now calling it the Lafayette Lie. <laughs> um, he he went out there, held up his Bible, and they said, "Oh, well, he used tear gas to disperse the uh, rioters, so just so he could have a photo op holding up a Bible." And for more than a year. The mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser, has allowed Donald Trump to take the blame for what her police force had done. The first speaker at the Democratic National Convention in August of last year was Muriel Bowser. The person introducing Bowser referenced the clearing of the street in front of the White House earlier that summer as an operation the media had repeatedly falsely characterized as the violent removal of peaceful protesters with tear gas for the sole purpose of a photo op for President Trump. Quote, this is what they they said when they introduced Mario Bowser at the convention. When peaceful protesters were tear gassed across from the White House, our next speaker stood up, stood strong, and turn that place into a Black Lives Matter plaza in their honor. Please welcome Mayor, Mayor Mariel Bowser. <laughs> a, a new report, new IG reports come out and has confirmed that it was Bowser, not Trump, who tear gassed the protesters. Mm-hmm. This is unbelievable. I mean, stop and consider the fact that what, what happened after that, that spurred more rioting. And Bowser just stood there. She kept her mouth shut for a year. Right. Let Donald Trump lose the election. <clears throat> Let Donald Trump take the blame. Let oh look at the rioting that's taking place. And this is all Donald Trump's fault. And the and the media the media's not going to report on this. No. I mean, if you're not listening to <laughs> us right now or, or reading Molly Hemingway at the Federalist, you're not going to hear much about this. And maybe if Molly's on Fox News tonight, you might hear it. And I, I know with the Park Police. Um, 
early on said we we didn't use tear gas and they wouldn't listen to them i mean they yeah. didn't listen to them at all yeah and that and of course was, the park was, police are the feds yeah and that was within the first uh well actually a few, few days or uh, within a couple of weeks that no we did not we did not deploy tear gas the reports come more than a year after the corporate press other democrats and even some anti-trump republicans had filled news cycles with outrage over Trump allegedly tear-gassing peaceful protesters for a photo op. Um, For example, Joe Biden tweeted at the time, he's using the American military against American people. He tear-gassed peaceful protesters and fired rubber bullets for a photo. For our children, for the very soul of our country, we must defeat him. But I mean it when I say this, we can only do it together. Um... Sass slammed the president for uh, clearing protesters for his photo op. Uh, NPR came out with a tweet. Police in Washington, D.C. used tear gas and rubber bullets on peaceful protesters to clear away from St. John's Church, which suffered a small, a small fire. They had nearly burned the place to the ground near the White House. President Trump then walked to the church for a photo op. Uh, it, 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 it makes you sick. Yeah, he, he went out after that was already clear. Um, I mean, that decision was made well well after. He didn't have anything to do with that. No. But they won't report it. No. No. Mm. Nope. I, I mean, how in the world Bowser can keep uh, from being totally embarrassed? Uh, well, it's, it's not hard for a Democrat. Washington, D.C. idiots are yeah. voting for Yeah, yeah. yeah they will. <laughs> we'll be right back. Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light, and this could be a, a lot more uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? Sharing certain information is perfect for the drive at five with Tom and Beanie. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? News now and when it breaks with lots of blathering in between. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what I'm blathering about. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Beanie and Cecil. Beanie. <laughs> I hope we didn't pay that guy much for that. Uh, by the way, there has been one blue marlin that has been brought in. It was 448 pounds. Uh, not enough to win the uh, first fish prize. How much was that prize going to be? It's going to be about... Eight hundred thousand? Yeah, eight hundred and eighty two thousand. Wow. There's two uh two boats still hooked up right now, Marlin Fever and Slow Your Roll. Okay. So uh, following seas brought in the first one, but it wasn't big enough. So um, there you go. So the big rock continues. Will Michael Jordan be a winner? We'll see. Hey, thanks for being with us. Our thanks to Ken and uh, Blackwell, and we'll do it again tomorrow at five. We'll see you then. Bye bye everybody. All right, all right, all right.